Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Who did Samuel minister to? And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place that his eyes began to wax dim. Man, I just felt the breath of the Holy Spirit breathe in this place. And I'm not just saying that. And Eli could not see. And erred, and that word means just before, just before the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, here am I, for you called me. And he said, I didn't call you. Lie down again. And he went and laid down, and the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli again. And again he said, Here am I. You called me. And Eli said, I did not call you, my son. Go lay down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Listen very carefully, please. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you again. Say these words, Speak, Lord, for your servant Heareth. He did not say your servant is listening. He said your servant heareth. A lot of people in this building today will listen, but many of you will hear the word of the Lord. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times. But this time he doesn't say Samuel. He says, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that hears it shall tingle. It will rattle their ears. It will stun them. It's what it literally means in the Hebrew. It will stun them. I'm going to take those four words and preach for four hours today. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be quick today. I told Giovanna I will be quick. I will, five words, I will do a thing. God said, I will do a thing. Now, I need you to look at your neighbor and say those words, God will do a thing. That one didn't believe you. Look at the other neighbor and say, God will 
I'm not sure that one believed you find one more person that believes that and say God will emphasize will God 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 will do a thing if you believe that God will do a thing I need you to give him one more big praise before you sit down today God do a thing you ought to throw your hands up and shout God do a thing high five somebody and tell them God will do his thing today you may be seated when I saw this in my reading this week after I preached last week the call part one I thought I would call this the call part two God will do a thing how many of you want God to do something in your life I'm not saying that just to get a shot. I mean genuinely. Come on, genuinely. You want, let me ask this section. You want God to do something. Let me, let me check the middle section. How many of you want God to do something? Let me, let me check. This is the radical section over here. How many of you want God to do something in your life? Yeah. We all do. If God is going to do a thing, he's going to have a person. If God is going to do something, He's going to have someone to do it through. In this case, the thing God was about to do will require Samuel. How do I know that? Because God did not go to Eli. He did not go to Hophni. He did not go to Phinehas, Eli's sons. He went specifically to Samuel and conspicuously called Samuel's name. Hmm. The call is always to someone who is willing to let God do something through them. It's to someone who's willing to allow God to do something through them. I will do a thing. The problem is he did not tell Samuel the thing that he would do. <laughs> he just said I will do a thing. But he didn't tell him what the thing was. He just told him the impact that the thing will have. I've learned that many times when God is about to do a thing, he will show us the end or he will show us the result. But he does not always show us the process of getting to the promise. Paul said, I've learned a lot of things, but I'm confident of one thing, that he 
who began the good work in you will complete it. It's going to happen, but he's not going to tell us all the details of the journey in order for us to get there. When I began this morning thinking about this, I looked at it through this perspective. Why wouldn't Samuel, why wouldn't God just tell Samuel what the thing was? And God spoke very clearly to me these words. If I would have told him what it was, he would have been looking for it and not for me. Now it began to make sense. When your pursuit is more about the result than the revelation, it's easy to get distracted. When your pursuit is about stuff more than it is about him, it's easy to be derailed. So God just said, I'm going to do a thing. And that ought to be enough to intrigue you. That ought to be enough to make you curious. That ought to be enough to make you build your faith. Just knowing that I'm about to do something. And I came by here at Quest Church in Norman today to tell you emphatically, God is about to do something. I believe those people who just clapped are ready for God to do something in their life. So I started looking at this and I thought defining the word thing is like trying to count the sand on a seashore. How do you define the word thing? I will do a thing. It's all a matter of what was spoken and to whom it was spoken to. I feel the Holy Ghost here. The thing is all a matter of what was spoken and to whom it was spoken to. In other words, a thing to you may be nothing to me. When God told Elijah it's about to rain, it meant everything to him. It meant nothing to Ahab. Are you with me? Your thing matters to you. This was personal between Samuel and God. See, Samuel was postured. Samuel was prepared. Samuel was positioned to hear about this thing that God was about to do. Number one, Samuel was in the temple. You know, if you want to know that God is about to do a thing, you ought to be able to get excited about the thing that God is about to do by being in the house. In other words, you ought not ever come to the house of God and not feel some kind of anticipation that anything could happen even in this building today. So he was in the temple. He was in the house. He was with the ark. He wasn't just in the house, but he was specifically laying with the presence of God. I don't know about y'all, but it's one thing to come to church. It's another thing to have the presence of God in church. 
We used to say it like this, there's a lot of dead churches, which meant there's just no move of God's spirit over the waters of the spirits of the people. And I'm here to tell you that I believe that there's a generation being born in this earth that is now coming to complete manifestation that says we are tired of just the duty of going to church and the devotion to the house of God. We want God to invade our very sanctuaries and do something that only God can do. So he's in the temple. He's with the presence of God, and he's listening for the voice of God. He's in the house. He's with the presence, and he's got his ear attuned to what the Spirit is saying to the church. And then finally, he was ministering to God. Oh, you should study that in the Hebrew. It's a beautiful etymology because it works on this wise that he was giving God all of his praise and he was worshiping God. My question to you is, why did you come to church today? Did you come just to get something from God or, you, or are you in this house to give him praise and to give him worship? Even if he did not do a thing for you, He's worthy of everything you can give him. It shouldn't take you long to look back over your life and remember the day he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light that you should declare his praise. It shouldn't take you long to look back over your life and realize if it was not for God who was on your side, you would either be in jail, you could be on a deathbed, you could be in a hospital, but God stepped in in the nick of time. He delivered you. He snatched you out of that darkness. And that's reason enough to praise him. And I'm going to give you sanctified seconds to give God praise for at least one thing that he's done in your life. Bless your name, Jesus. He's in the house. He's in the presence. He's listening for the voice of God and he's ministering to the Lord. I said it last week and I'm going to say it again. If you want to receive the call of God on your life, you have to build your ministry to him first. What you build with him in private, he will make known in public. But when your desire is people first and God second, you will always be a step behind of what God is doing and saying. We got to get people back on their knees, people back in the prayer closet, people back to worshiping God in your car till the presence of God fills your front seat to the point you have to pull over in a parking lot and let hot tears roll down your cheeks as you begin to give God praise. It's time to bring praise and worship back to our personal lives. Because if you can't praise him in your bedroom, you're not going to praise him in here. If you ain't going to praise him in your closet, you're not going to praise him here. I'm going to look around and ask one more time, is there any praisers in this church today? You worship Jesus.
you want, if you really de desire, if you really desire to receive a thing from God, if you want anything from God, if you need something from God, get back in the house of God. Get back in the presence of God. Listen for the voice of God. Always be a praiser no matter how big your problem is. And always be a worshiper no matter how much worry wants to invade your life. you to throw your head back and scream these words, my thing is my thing. One man in that temple heard God say, I will do a thing. One man. One man heard God say, I will do a thing. Who is that man? That man is Samuel. The one that the call of God came to at the right time. The one that the call of God came to consistently. The, call, the one that the call of God came to and demanded a response. That kind of man is an available man. Oh, for more people that will throw their heart wide open to God and say, Lord, I'm available to you. I'm in your house. I'm here to minister to you. I hear your voice. Do a thing and use me to do it. I will do a thing. Samuel. Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears you. I will do a thing. I would imagine Samuel is at minimum a teenager at this point. The Bible is not real descriptive about his physical reaction to the voice of God, but in my imagination, I think Samuel would have gotten out of that bed and walked around that room with his heart palpitating with the feeling of excitement that God is about to do something. Looking around the temple, is he going to do it here? Is he going to do it in the land? Is he going to do it for Eli? Is he going to do it for me? But God is about to do something. Be careful who you hang out with. Ooh, because God, when God gets to telling you he's about to do a thing, you can't just share it with everybody because some people are just content to be where they are. But there's other people they get excited to know that God is on the threshold of doing something extremely big in my life. And I came by to tell you, get ready because God is about to do a thing. See, your thing has an appointment. <laughs> your thing don't work on your calendar. God does not work on your calendar. You can have your time organization, your time planner. You can have all of that. But when God gets ready to do his thing in your life, he doesn't consult your calendar. It's Christmas. Let's ask Mary about it. 
Luke 1.35, and the angel answered and said to Mary, watch out now, Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. When is the last time you heard anybody preach that the Holy Ghost is fixing to jump on you? Nobody preach about the Holy Ghost no more. Nobody preaches about the power of the Holy Ghost. Nobody talks about the Holy Spirit anymore. We preach on more practical terms, analytical thinking. We want to placate you and pat you on the back and tell you you're living your best life now. You may be, and if you are, God bless you. But when the Holy Ghost pounces on you, when the Holy Ghost gets on you, he'll shake you to the very core of your being. And, and he said, Mary, the Holy Ghost is about to come on you. You know what I pray for you today? Every single one of you. And if I'm lying, I'm dying right now. I pray for every single one of you. I didn't know who was going to be here. My prayer went like this. Lord, whosoever is in the house today, would you let the Holy Ghost jump on them? And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, listen closely to the words. Therefore, that holy thing. He did not say that holy child. He said that holy thing. Which shall be born of you, shall be called the Son of God. Even Jesus started out as a thing in the mind of God. You could see the end of the thing that God is dealing with you about. It would blow your mind. And your cousin Elizabeth, she's dealing with a thing too. She conceived a son in her old age. She's in her sixth month. She was called barren. For with God, no thing is impossible. Right there. That right there make a cold Baptist run around a hot church. For with God, nothing shall be, no thing shall be impossible. Mary, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And the holy thing that you are carrying shall come to pass. Lord have mercy. Some of you are carrying a thing and the only way you got it is that the Holy Ghost got upon you and the Holy Ghost gave you the ability to conceive what he was trying to deposit in you and you gave up on that thing and you started saying I don't know if it's going to ever happen and Pastor Rick came by to shake you today and wake you today and remind you today that God would not have allowed you to conceive it if you were not going to birth it the thing you are carrying is a holy thing and nothing shall be impossible with God if you believe that nothing is impossible with God activate your faith and give God praise right now that nothing nothing shall be impossible 
Say it with me. My thing has an appointment. She's a virgin. God did not ask permission. He just said you blessed and highly favored. How do you qualify for God to do a holy thing through you? All you have to do is receive his blessing and receive his favor. Because when you are blessed and highly favored, you qualify for God to do something that's a holy thing. That with God no thing shall be impossible. Ecclesiastes 3 1 says these words to every thing. To what? Every. There is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Woo! Purpose operates according to time, things operate according to seasons. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? I came by to tell you that many of you in this building are coming into your season. The word season here in the Hebrew means an appointed time. Say it again. My thing has an appointment. Some of you are a virgin to the thing that God is about to do through you. You didn't hear that right there. Which means this that he's about to do has never been done through you. To everything there is a season, an appointed time. I could preach this all day. Second Kings chapter 4. Elisha is in the woman's house. You remember? And he asked Gehazi, Go and tell the woman, go ask the woman what she wants, what she desires. Because she has been unbelievable in her servanthood toward us. Read the Bible. I've learned something about the spirit of prophecy. It gravitates to service. The spirit of prophecy looks for people who are doing something. I'm not getting anything from God. Because you are doing nothing for God. The spirit of prophecy gravitates towards service. Go ask her what she wants. He comes back and he tells Elisha, she don't have a baby. Which means she didn't say anything. He just noticed what she didn't have. The spirit of prophecy sees what you do not have and what you secretly desire. He said, call her. Do what? Call her. And the Bible says she ran to the door. I've learned that the voice of God finds people who rest in portals, not in closed rooms. I'm preaching better than you talking about tonight. And he looked at her and he said these words. By this season next year, you will be sitting with a baby in your arms. He didn't tell her the day. 
He didn't tell her the hour. He just said around this time next year. Seasons separate the year in categories. I don't know what season it is, but he says to her by this season next year, you're going to have a baby. She was so shocked that she said, don't lie to me. In other words, don't tell me something that's going to disappoint me. Let me share something with you. Tell your neighbor, check me by this time next year. Because I'm going to have something that I don't have right now. Talk back to me. Tell them again, check me around November, December. Check me around October or January. Check with me about this season next year and something. Those of you who can receive it, I dare you to reach out there and get it. Tell them again, check me in this season next year. Seasons have episodes. Seasons have episodes. And some episodes we don't like. Some episodes we love. But it's all part of the season. Talk back to me. Just because you're having a bad episode does not mean you're in a bad season. Because your episode don't look wonderful doesn't mean the season is not wonderful. I'm preaching too good to you to sit there and look at me. I'm going to prophesy to you. By this season next year, something. I can't tell you today. I can't tell you the hour. I can't even tell you what the thing is. But something is going to come into your life by this season. I don't know if it's your husband. I don't know if it's a wife. I don't know if it's a job. I don't know if it's a blessing. But something. Shout it again, my thing has an appointment. What does it mean? It's fixed. It is fixed. It is a setup. It's fixed. Some of y'all believe that about boxing. You believe it about boxing more than you believe it about God. The fight was fixed. I came to tell you, your life was fixed. You cannot lose. God is in your corner. God is on your side. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. When it's time, say it. When it's time, it's time. Let me move on. Let me start over. I heard somebody say, I like this thing. I'm glad you do because this thing about to get better. Watch. Number one, your thing has an appointment. Number two, your thing is a new thing. Now, I thought that'd make you buck right there. 
I'm serious. When I said that, I thought somebody would take off running. Your thing is a... Shout as loud as you can. My thing is a... Let me show you what I'm talking about. When I wrote that this morning, I heard the Holy Ghost tell me many people are living with the old and praying and hoping silently for something new. They're not asking God to replace the old. They just want something new. Something they have never seen. Something they've never experienced. I'm not asking you to get rid of my husband. I'm not asking you to relieve me of my wife. I'm just asking you to do something in this marriage you have never done before. Do something that we used to call a spanking brand new. I want it so new you smells like new. Drives like new. I dare you to shout new. Put it in the atmosphere. Say it again. not an old thing. If it was an old thing, you would ask God to do something that he did before. I'm not asking God to do anything he's done before for me. I'm not singing do it again this morning. I'm singing do it for the first time this morning. There's something new coming. Behold, Isaiah 43, 19. I will, Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Will you not know it? When he says, I will do a new thing. Here's what it means in the Hebrew. I will do a fresh thing. I will do a renewed thing. I will do a rebuilt thing. I will do a repaired thing. I drive a 1970 Charger. It's bad to the bone. It was given to me as a gift. It has 585 horsepower. It's so black that it looks like liquid. It looks like if you go to touch it, your hand will sink into the blackness of the car. The car is bad, bad, and more bad. Can I tell you when that car came out? Everybody wanted a 70 Charger. It was so cool to drive a 70 Charger. But when you're driving a 70 Charger in 2024, that has been restored to a better condition than it was before it was ever built or when it was built. Now you're driving something special because now you're not driving something old, you're driving something new. And I tell you that God is about to do such a modification on your life that everything about your life is going to feel. Tell your neighbor, brand spanking new. I'm not done, but I want you to get the Holy Ghost on you and know that something is about to happen.
behold, I will do a new thing. The key word in that whole sentence is the word behold. Because it means look forward intently with anticipation. This denotes the idea God ain't about to do something new for anybody that ain't looking for it. Oh, that's deep right there. Behold, in the Hebrew, to look intently with anticipation for what is about to happen. Behold, I will do a new thing. Who's he going to do it for? People who are looking for it. People who want it. People who peer into their future like something is about to walk from the ancient of days into the road of their destiny and arrive in their present and change their whole condition. If you really got that behold, you wouldn't just walk in church and just sit there and just, well, well case Sarah, Sarah, welcome to church, Doris Day. That ain't, it ain't about case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Heck no. It's about I'm here to get something from God and I anticipate and I expect something great is going to happen in my life. Even now, it springs forward. If you believe God can do it right now, Perceive it is the next sentence. In other words, God could do it and be gone and you never know what happened. Because you wasn't looking for it, you wouldn't know when it arrived. Will you not perceive it? Will you not recognize it? Will you not know it? I could do something huge in the sanctuary today and you were there. And the person next to you, their life was completely changed. And you left the same person as you came in to ask. You, hadn't, you didn't receive anything because you weren't looking for anything. I, I know this for a fact. We ultimately find what we are looking for. If you're looking for something fresh, let me help you. Something fresh is coming down your road. If you're looking for something new, something new is about to happen in your life. Is there anybody looking for God to do something New. Say it with me. My thing has an appointment. It's fixed. Do you believe that? Say this with me. My thing is going to happen. And it's going to be new. My thing is a new thing. Trying to make up a rhyme in my mind right now. Let me think for a minute. This will work. The old is no more in 24. Will that work? That'll work. You know why you keep dating the same crazy women? Because you're used to the same old thing. You know why you keep dating the same enabler guy who abuses you? Because you've set a pattern in your mind that that's just how it is. 
If you'll lift your hands, I'll break both of those curses off of you in Jesus' name. Some patterns in your life, patterns of poverty. This is the way grandpa was. This is the way daddy was. So I'm just going to be poor the rest of my life. No, you choose that God's going to do a new thing in you. You're not going to walk down that old path. That you're going to prosper as your soul prospers. Man, I'm prophesying up in here. My thing has an appointment. My thing is a new thing. And I'll end with this one. My thing is possible. For with God, no thing shall be impossible. That's Luke 1.37. Genesis 18, 13. And the Lord said to Abraham, why is your wife laughing? Like, I don't know you 99 years old. And she's 90. She laughing because I said, y'all going to have a baby. I can hear the conversation. Abraham looking back at God and saying, have you seen her lately? And her looking at God laughing, saying, have you seen him? <laughs> uh, me and Abraham have a lot in common. <laughs> the Bible says Sarah gave Abraham a child in his old age. I wish I would have laughed <laughs> when Giovanna came out to our little bridge and I was fishing in the pond and we was on shutdown, lockdown, COVID. I'm going to fish. She came out there with a little white stick. <laughs> Baby, I need to tell you something. You know the first thought that went through my mind? 60 years old. <laughs> I went like this. Uh-uh. I have eight grandchildren. My oldest grandchild is 20 years old. Go back to the house. Break the stick. Throw it in the garbage. It's a lie. I was mad. Some of y'all looking at me, you're mean. You're right. I said, I ain't ready for this. Now let's set the rules right now. You gonna change the diapers. You gonna take him to t-ball practice. You gonna take him to kindergarten. You gonna be mama. And I'm gonna take care of him. She got big old tears in her eyes and she said, you make, you're making me feel like a Friday night stand. Oh, look 
looking at me like, you are the meanest man I ever met. She went back inside. And a little bit, I went back in there and I told her, I said, you need to understand something. I'm sorry for everything I said, but you caught me off guard. sudden I felt horrible and I said this has to be a thing that God orchestrated because this is not supposed to happen I'm 60 I was holding that same baby hit mahogany not long ago five suits walked in all those guys looked at me and said patting me on my back. Papa, that's a handsome boy. <laughs> I pointed at Joe Bonner. She was standing about 15 feet from me, and she was decked out looking good. I said, hey, man, come here. They leaned in there like we was in a huddle. I said, you see that girl right over there? And they all looked. I said, that's my wife. I said, this right here is my son. He said, wow. I said, I still got it, buddy. Still got it. Little did I know, Giovanna had been praying in secret. Little did I know she wanted something from God. Are y'all hearing me? She never really expressed it. She just carried it in her heart. And let me tell you something. God will give you the desires of your heart even when it looks impossible. And watch what God tells Abraham. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too difficult for me to do? I know you're 99. I know she's 90. But it's not about you. It's about me doing my thing through you. And even though you're past the age of being able, with God, all things are possible. Is there anything too hard for God? And I came by to tell you today, I don't know what your thing is, but I can tell you it's not too hard for God. I don't know what you're going through, but it's not too difficult for God. If you believe that, jump on your feet and give God praise because we're about to close. But I want you to believe it with all your heart that God can do all things. With God, all things are. Say it again. With God, all, all things are possible. said, Lord, what is the prerequisite to all of this? And he told me very clearly, belief. Belief. And I found this quote. Believing is everything. Whoa! Believing is everything. No man ever believes with a true and saving faith unless God inclines his heart. And no man, when God does incline his heart, can refrain that man from believing. 
We can prove our faith only by our commitment to it and in no other way. Any belief that does not command the one who holds it is not a real belief. It is a pseudo-belief only. And it might shock some of us profoundly if we were brought suddenly face to faith with our beliefs and forced them and be forced by them to be tested in the fires of practical living. It's not what you feel, it's what you believe. And if you really believe that all things are possible, all things are possible to him that believes. I'll leave you with this. Why should you believe that all things are possible? Because the Bible says in New Numbers chapter 23, in verse number 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he would repent. Hath he not said it? And will he not do it? Has he not spoken it? Will he not make it good? God's about to do a new thing in you.